Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, May the 28th, 2019. It is currently 9.43 a.m. Central Time. Well, you may have noticed that I did not record very much. I didn't post very much over this past weekend. Now, there's a very good reason. It was Memorial Day weekend. I knew a lot of people would be traveling. A lot of people had activities planned. A lot of people were going to be doing a number of things. And the last thing I wanted to do was to spend hour after hour recording and working on things, uploading them, posting them, and then look at the numbers and realize I recorded 15 things and two people listened to two things. Okay, that's the last thing I wanted. So I decided to try to pull back a little bit. But it is Tuesday and everyone should be back to their normal routine. So we need to get back to our normal routine. Now, there's a lot of things we've been trying to accomplish at Victory Baptist Church and then trying to accomplish through the VBC 66 app. Now, if you're listening to this and you do not have the VBC 66 app, you can go to the Apple App Store. You can go to the Google Play Store. Do a search for VBC 66. VBC stands for Victory Baptist Church. The number 66 stands for the number of books in the Bible. VBC 66. Now, this idea that I came up with, this idea that I continue to try to suggest people participate in is this idea of four times a day. So what I'm trying to do on the VBC 66 app is at least four times a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening, and sometime later at night, send out a notification and say, hey, I just posted a sermon. Here's your morning spiritual food. Hey, I just posted a, a seminary lecture. Here's your afternoon spiritual food. Four times a day, send out a notification letting everyone know that I've just posted something that will, be, that will provide them some spiritual food for that time of day. Now, I don't do it every, every single day. It doesn't always work out that way because I have to go listen to the things, find, out, find something that I think is beneficial, and then post it. So if I don't get to it four times a day, I still want to ensure that I'm uploading and posting enough things on the VBC 66 app that you, whenever you need spiritual food, it's right there waiting on you in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and at night. And new stuff is being added all the time so that you have a choice. So hopefully people will make use of that. And if you know anyone out there who would like to participate and make use of that, please share with them the VBC 66 app as well. Now, this morning on the VBC 66 app, I posted some spiritual food. It's kind of a full-fledged meal. Okay, it's not really a it's not really a snack. It's kind of like your your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, your late night snack, maybe tomorrow's breakfast as well. You see, at Victory Baptist Church during the Sunday school hour, we have been studying the Canons of Dort and the Synod of Dort. And during our study of that, I mentioned two very important words. The first one is infralapsarianism. Infralapsarianism, and the other one is supralapsarianism. Infralapsarianism and supralapsarianism. Now, a lot of people had no idea what those two words were. They have no idea what those words meant. There were some who had already looked those words up because they were doing some reading about the Canons of Dort and the Senate of Dort. So I greatly appreciate them. 
But I just, I told everyone what I would do is start posting some things on the VBC 66 app in relation to this concept, but to do it in a far deeper way. I don't want to just, you know, post a little five minute, here's the definition of infralapsarianism. Here's the definition of supralapsarianism and be done with it. I wanted to uh, give them a fuller understanding of it. So I pulled some lectures from a seminary and I've been posting them on the VBC 66 app in the church history section. In fact, let me pull up the VBC 66 app right now. Let me go down to the church history section. Here we go. In the church history section, I have posted so far, let's see all the things I have posted. I have posted an introduction and order of the divine decrees part one. I have posted Order of the Divine Creeds, Part 2, and Roman Catholic Christian View of the Plan of Salvation. I have posted Lutheranism and Arminianism, Part 1, and this morning, Arminianism, Part 2, and Calvinism, Supralapsarianism. So right there is a full mill. So go take advantage of all of those right now on the VBC 66 app. Sounds good? All right. Just get that all out of the way. It's been a few days. Again, just need to get it all out of the way and, and move forward. All right. Now, at Victory Baptist Church during the morning worship hour, we have started our journey through the book of Romans. I think Sunday was sermon number five, and we're still in verse one. <laughs> We're still in verse one. Let me give you a quick review. And in the book of Romans, Romans chapter one, we are, have identified that we have basically kind of an introduction, an introductory uh, uh, section in Romans chapter one that kind of goes from chapter one, verse one, to possibly verse 15, possibly verse 16, maybe all the way down to verse 17. Now, uh, different commentators, different books outline it a little differently, but we kind of just said, hey, this is an introduction. We'll figure out where the introduction stops when we get there. But most agree that verse 16 is one of the key verses of the book. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 reads, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not going to review why. Paul would want to emphasize the power of the gospel to the people at Rome. I'm not going to get into all of that. You can go listen to all the previous messages. But what I did, what I do want you to understand is that verse 16, I think, is critical because if you go back and start the beginning of the book in light of Romans 1.16, you find something very interesting. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul uses four identifiers to describe himself. And these four identifiers demonstrate the power of the gospel. First, he uses Paul. Now, we all know he used to be Saul. He was a persecutor of Christians. He wrecked havoc on the church. He was involved in, in, in helping and supporting the killing of Christians. Paul hated the things of Christ, hated the church, and hated Christians. But because of the power of the gospel, he was converted, he was transformed, and he was changed. So he goes from Saul to Paul. That name Paul is proof of the power of the gospel. He refers to him in the second identifier, a servant. He is a servant. He is now a slave of Jesus Christ. He is serving the interest of others. He is denying his own interest to serve the interest of someone else. And we could talk about the, the Greek word there and all of that. He became a servant of Jesus Christ. He was no longer a servant of Saul. He was no longer a servant of 
of you know him being a Jew and a, a, a servant of you know we could you know we could talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was no longer a servant of that. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. Next, he called to be an apostle. That's the third identifier. He became a, an apostle. Right, and we could talk about the meaning of that. And then fourth, the fourth identifier, he was separated. He was separated unto a different purpose, separated for something else. And those four identifiers have a lot to say about how the gospel and its power should be evident in our life. Then this Sunday, we looked at one word, unto the gospel Stop right there. The Greek word euangelion, we talked about the gospel, what the gospel truly is. We looked up the definition of euangelion, and then we went to the uh, to the Septuagint to see how the uh, Greek word euangelion is used. And we went to two passages in the book of Isaiah, and then we really went really practical with how we as Christians should be more gospel-minded when it comes to how we view lost people and how... We need to understand that as Christians, we too need the gospel. Now, I say all of that because this morning, what I have for you is a little devotional exercise. So the subject is introduced right there, separated unto the gospel. The gospel become, is the subject for the book of Romans, chapter 1 to chapter 11. It's the doctrinal understanding of the gospel, chapter 12 to the end of the book. It is how we as Christians are to live out the gospel in meaningful, practical ways. So the subject is introduced at the end of verse 1. But verse 2 is very interesting. Now let's read how, how this works. The end of verse 1, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. We have the introduction of the subject, and now we have the promise of the subject. The gospel had been promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, obviously, what Paul is referencing there is the Old Testament scriptures. The gospel was promised beforehand by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So, this is not something that was brand new. This is something that had been promised in the past. And now Paul is going to help them understand what this, this subject, this gospel, what it really means, how are they to truly understand it, and what they are to believe, in a sense, doctrinally and theologically about this gospel that was promised before. Now here is my doctrinal, ex my doctrinal, my devotional exercise for you this Tuesday morning. Are you ready? It's very simple. I want you to find Five Old Testament passages, five Old Testament passages that could be seen clearly as a promise of the gospel, as he says, promised before, afore, by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Find to me five passages in the Old Testament that are clear promises of the gospel. Now you got to be very careful how you think about this because this is what you're going to do. Well, I heard a sermon and they said that this passage was a promise of the gospel, right? Are, are you sure it's a promise of the gospel? 
Are you, are you absolutely positively sure? There are passages in Genesis that some will say, oh yes, that's a promise of the gospel. And then other commentators will come along and go, no, the gospel is not even in my, not, it's not even in sight in there. I remember in, um, when I was at Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, in our, in my Genesis class. Well, man, you talk about a massive debate. There's a, there's a passage in Genesis that, um, everyone was saying, like, that's a promise of the gospel. And the professor was like, you're out of your mind. The gospel is not being promised there in any way, shape, or form. So don't, don't think that it is and stop saying that. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I've always been taught that. So I want you to find the passages of scripture that you're absolutely sure is a promise of the gospel. In fact, here's the verse, verse 15, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Um, I'll go to 14 for context. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, now the fall has happened, the fall has occurred. God is now giving some consequences and punishments and, 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 and what's going to happen as a result of the fall. Verse 14, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his hill. Now, some think that there's a promise of the gospel there. There's a promise of what Christ will do. Now, is that a promise of the gospel? Is that a promise of what Christ will do? Now, my professor at Grace University says that there was, that wasn't a promise of anything. That was just a promise that there was going to be enmity between now humans and snakes. And he cited, I think he cited Calvin. I'd have to look. And I believe in Calvin's commentary. I could be wrong um, because that was a long time ago when I took uh, Genesis at Grace University. Um, I believe he cited Calvin's commentary where Calvin did not see this as being foreshadowing or promising anything in the future as well. But some people will go and say, see, that's, that's a promise of the gospel. Is that really a promise of the gospel? If, even if you say that is foreshadowing something, is it a promise of ultimate victory of Christ over Satan? What do you mean by a promise of the gospel? Some will say, oh, well, let's go to Genesis 6 and Noah's Ark. There's a promise of the gospel, right? Christ is our ark, right? We have to get it. We have to be inside Christ. We have to, we have to have Christ to be saved from the storm to come. So the, the, the ark and, and the flood and all of that is a picture of the gospel. Okay. Some may, may say that. Is it, is it really a promise of the gospel? So what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that pastors preach and they preach it as this is illustrative of the gospel or this is a, this is kind of symbolic of the gospel. But are we a hundred percent sure that's how those Old Testament passages were actually being used and understood at that time? Or is that how New Testament uh, Christians have read it back in to the Old Testament? So I want you to find passages in the Old Testament, five, if you can, five, that are clear, easy to prove. Here is a promise of the gospel in the Old Testament. Here is a promise of the gospel in the Old Testament. Now, the easiest way to do this is find passages in the Old Testament that seem to possibly be speaking of the gospel, and the New Testament quotes them and states 
dogmatically that, yes, this was speaking of the gospel. And what does it mean? I mean, again, uh, in Romans chapter 1, let me, if we read that, let me open up my Bible again. If we go to Romans chapter 1 and read that one more time, you know, he, he's making it, I mean, it, it doesn't give us a lot of explanation of what kind of promise he's referring to. He doesn't give us a lot of information. It just says, hey, Paul was separated unto the gospel. Okay, the gospel is the subject of the book. And which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. God had promised this gospel beforehand by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So in the Old Testament, there are prophet, there are uh, there are promises of the gospel. We need to find those. It doesn't tell us is it is it something directly spoken? Is it something that was illustrated? How do we find it? Again, I think the best way is to find those Old Testament passages that you think, okay, that's speaking of the gospel, and see if that that, that passage is quoted from or used by a New Testament writer relating it to the gospel. What does what an Old Testament promise of the gospel look like? Are we sure we know? Paul's dogmatic that they're there. We have to find them and not make them up. I wish Paul would have listed the promises, right? Wouldn't that have been great? Wouldn't it have been great that he says, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, and then the next seven, eight, nine, ten verses is quoting from those Old Testament passages? Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Wouldn't that have been great? I think it would have. Now, we could argue, here's a thought. In the book of Romans, here's a very interesting idea. How many Old Testament references are cited in the book of Romans? How many Old Testament references are cited in the book of Romans? Let's let's even make it easier. If we believe chapter 1 to chapter 11 is the doctrinal teaching and the theological explanation of the gospel and 12 in chapters 12 and following is more of the practical living it out then let's do this how many times are, is the old testament cited in the book of romans from chapter 1 to chapter 11 and obviously, if they're citing the Old Testament in chapter 1 to chapter 11, they're citing things that I would think we could possibly argue would relate to the gospel. Now, are they clear promises of the gospel? How are they being used? So I think maybe that's the way to start. Can you, can, so let's do this. Here's your, here's your exercise. If I don't stop soon, my exercise is going to turn into a seminary course of homework. Okay, next thing you know, I'm going to be requiring you to write a doctrinal thesis. All right, because there's a lot here to figure out. So let's do this. Number one, how many Old Testament references can you find in Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 11? That's number one. Number two, of those Old Testament references you find in Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 11, how many of them could you say, hmm, I think think that's an Old Testament promise of the gospel. I think that's an Old Testament promise of the gospel. Now be ready, be ready to explain your reasoning. All right, and then number three, what other Old Testament references can you find that you would say that's a promise of the gospel? Now you need a total of five. You may find five when you're going through the book of Romans to find out how many Old Testament references there are and finding those citations. You may find five right there. If you can't find five there, then just look anywhere else in the Old Testament. We need five total. 
Now, the members of Victory Baptist Church, you know what this means. On Sunday, I'm going to expect you have your list of five. So make sure. If you hear this, you may want to start letting everyone else know at Victory Baptist Church, hey, uh, pastor recorded something. We, we need to work on this. So, you know, um, you appoint one person to find all the answers and then she can, she or he can send it out to everyone else via text or some other method. All right. Find, so appoint one person and say, you're responsible to go find the five and give us the rest so that we all look smart. All right. That's, that's, that's an easy way to do it. I don't know who you want to appoint. Uh, he or she pick someone. All right. So here's the, here's your devotional exercise this morning in Romans chapter one. Paul makes a statement that the gospel had been promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. We need to figure out where those promises are. So here's the way we're going to do this. First, find all the Old Testament references, right, that are cited in the book of Romans in chapter 1 to chapter 11. Right? Look at those references and see if any of those are promises of the gospel. I mean, he's citing the Old Testament. He's citing it in a section where he's explaining the gospel. I think we may be on to something right there. Number two, look anywhere else in the Old Testament that you need to, to see if you can find promises of the gospel. Because what you need to do when you're done looking at both, both ideas is having a list of five clear promises of the gospel that are articulated in the Old Testament. I think this will be a beneficial exercise. I think it will be interesting and I think it will help us because we're going to have to figure out, well, I don't want to just go flying by verse two. A lot of pastors just say, hey, the gospel's promised in the Old Testament. They would cite one passage, probably at something like Genesis three, right? Hey, look, this is a promise of the gospel. But let's, for every, and this is what we're going to do. For every promise we think we have, we're going to look at many commentaries to see if there is universal agreement on it or if there's massive disagreement upon it. We're going to look at old and new and try to see if what we have discovered are, yeah, these these are the, there's no point in trying to argue about some. Let's just try to find the, find, find the ones that are pretty clear and no one can really argue against. Because all we need to establish is that these promises are clearly there as Paul claims they are. All right, I'll stop right there. You have something to do. You have something to work on. If you do not attend Victory Baptist Church, or even if you do, whatever you discover, whatever you find, I would love to see what you find. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Please let me know what you find. I want to see your work because um, it, I, you may find something and I may go, I have never considered that being a promise of the gospel Let's go look at that. And that may turn into an entire additional study. So um, let's let's not leave, uh, as I always say, let's leave no stone unturned. Let's, let's lift them all up and look un under every single one of them. Because when we start digging, when we start thinking, when we start discussing the scriptures with one another, sometimes that's where real learning takes place. And sometimes that's where the treasure is found. All right, thank you for listening to this little, I was going to kind of call it a devotional study, but it's really a devotional exercise. So, well, you've got work to do. Start digging into God's word and may we find these promises of the gospel, as Paul says, was promised afore, promised before by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Let's find these glorious promises of the gospel in the Old Testament. 
Enjoy. Have a great day. God bless. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.